On this episode of the Breaking the Game show, Austin and I are joined by Chris Bolton, who is a colleague of ours at the Off the Ball Network. He is a sports reporter for WCBI-TV in Mississippi, and he also hosts the podcast, The Checkup with Chris Bolton. We talk about what it takes to build a team in today's NBA and the timeline that it should take to do so. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for the support you've given us. We'll be right back after this break. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. I'm your co-host, Stephen Gillespie, and joining me as he always does is my good buddy, Austin Carr. Austin, how's it going today, brother? Oh, I'm doing good, Stephen. I'm excited for the show. I'm, I'm happy to be here. This is the, the best part of my Sunday, for sure. So, Well, there you go. Can't beat that. And what else better to talk about than basketball with your friends on a Sunday? Exactly. And speaking of friends... We're going to be bringing on our Off the Ball Network colleague, Mr. Chris Bolton. He is a sports reporter for WCBI-TV, and he's also the host of his own podcast, The Check Up with Chris Bolton. Chris, how you doing today, brother? Hey, I'm doing great. Doing great. about you guys? Excited uh, to have life's you Life's good, man. man. Just, uh, you know, family's good. Wife's good. Life's good. Can't complain, brother. There you go. Can't beat it. Can beat it. All right, Chris. Well, before we um, dive into today's topic, that you actually kind of helps, you know, when we brought you on, we asked what you might want to talk about. Came up with an amazing topic. You know, it's kind of in Austin and I's wheelhouse. You know, we love talking about these types of discussions. But before we br- bring on that topic, we just wanted to give you an opportunity to just kind of share yourself a little bit with the listeners, you know, where you're from, what you like, you know, how you kind of came to, to be where you are in life right now, man. Um, of course, uh, you know, my name's Chris Bolton. I'm from Mississippi, from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So uh, if, you, if you're a big Brett Favre fan, you know, he's uh, he used to play football out there in the USM. So you know, that's uh, where Hattiesburg, where uh, USM is in Hattiesburg. But um, so uh, went to Mississippi State. So I, that's why I have my Maroon Madness shirt on. Nice. So, uh, Mississippi State I'm sorry. You <laughs> said you're sorry? <laughs> I'm oh. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm from Arkansas, so you know. I was just gonna ask, is that know, like an Arkansas like thing? That. I have no yeah, yeah, no bad feelings about this. Like that, we're, we're SEC West rivals, I guess. But there you go, there you go. Uh, it, I'm not really anybody's about, rival right now. You know that. Steven Steven's busy trying to convince everybody that Jared Goff's not any good. <laughs> but no, um, so I'm from Mississippi. I, uh, I don't have to do that. I currently work in uh, Mississippi, in Columbus, Mississippi. So I get to cover Mississippi State, Ole Miss, nice. to go to those games, Alabama. So I get to, you know, cover SEC uh, competition. Um, of course, high school football is big here. It's the South. So high school, um, athletic, basketball, football, baseball, all of that. Get to go to all those games. And it's nice seeing a lot of these players in their younger stages before they blossom and become those big-time athletes. So, um, just uh, Starkville, Mississippi, you know, that's where AJ Brown's from. So, uh, yep, played high school in Starkville. DK Metcalf was in Oxford, which is you know, about Mm -hmm. an hour and a half down the highway. So, it's both those guys went to Ole Miss. So, it's been awesome just you know, having a chance to you know, be covering SEC basketball, football, and just seeing a lot of these guys before they become big time players that we know we all look up to now. 
That's a good point. I like the aspect that you brought up, you know, watching these guys in their developmental stages, you know, in high school, in the collegiate environment. You know, if, if you could take one aspect of, you know, your job where you cover these guys, not as much on like, say, a, a national level, but, you know, like we said, building up to that area. What's kind of one thing that you notice about the, the way that these players conduct themselves at the level that you get to watch them as opposed to when they make it big time? Um, You know, you get to – you just really kind of see just how hungry they are. You know, they, mm-hmm. they put in a lot of work. And I know that that work ethic really ratchets up, you know, times 10 when they go pro and it becomes their profession. But you still see, like, you know, I was able to go to the pro day for Ole Miss when um, AJ and DK – we're having their pro day and you just see how serious they take this. And, you know, they, they, this is, this is already a job for them before they're even professionals. This is their job. This is their job at high school. Yeah. Right. That, just, and that's uh, right. Just think about it. Just think about it. If you had one job interview and that was the only job interview you got for your entire field. And that was what determined where you were, your career was going to go. That'd be a pretty stressful situation. You know, that's <laughs> not like any other job really. <laughs> no, definitely. You know, that's a great point. Yeah, it's it's cool seeing these guys just you know early on and how much work they put in, and you get to know them a little little more personally. You know, you get to see that little side that everybody sees on social media. You get to actually see that in person. You know, the, the jokes mm-hmm. that they can crack, and you know, just kind of how uh, you know kind hearted you know a lot of these guys are. Definitely. Excellent stuff. So you've got to witness a lot of people, like I said, before they make it big time. And, you know, in the stages that they're entering, you know, their respective professions, it's a big part of building a team. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today here on our show is about building a team. What all components go into building a successful NBA team? And, you know, there's people that lament where we currently are in, in the stage of the in the NBA life cycle where, you know, players have a lot of what we call player empowerment. That's kind of your key buzzword that you hear in the NBA today is player empowerment. And people lament the days of old where, you know, a player used to be drafted to his team and he'd die on that team. And, you know, he would if he didn't win, it was you know, his fault. Right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we're not going to be here on this Yeah, there used to be loyalty. We're not going to do a whole lot of bashing people for how – they how they feel about the way teams used to be ran compared to now what we want to focus on on this aspect is you know what how how do you successfully build a competitive nba team and chris like i said you see it you see the players before they make it big time and obviously you cover the game still on a level where you get to observe where they are you know as professionals teams do it different ways you know we see teams like in miami where they have what they call heat culture you know, we right. see Toronto is kind of building themselves up as a team where, you know, they have great player development. But then we also, on the contrast, see teams like the Los Angeles Lakers, where they're just every free agency, they seem to be, you know, big competitors and in, in, in trying to strive to build championships. Chris, what, how do you observe the NBA today and the different ways that teams can become competitive? You know, um, a lot of it seems like, you know, it depends on maybe the market. You know, of course, like uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, they're not normally going to attract high-powered free agents. So, you know, of course, the way they might go about building a team is going to differ than what the we've seen from the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Brooklyn Nets, or that sort. 
So um, really just understanding who you are as a franchise. Like, you know, mm-hmm. where we are, the Indiana Pacers, we're probably not going to be able to sign the most prolific guys, but we're going to have to be A1 with drafting. We're going to have to draft well. We're going to have to make um, very, you know, cunning trades, try to try to maybe get some gems before they blossom and so on and so forth. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you made that point because just the trade we just saw the Pacers make is is so typical Pacers. Like Oladipo, he's great. He's kind of the hometown hero, but they flip him for a guy that's two years younger, that's got three years left on his contract, and when they were pretty sure they weren't probably going to ma- give him a max contract after at the end of the season anyway. So it's just that was a, just a perfect example of what you just said. And you know, we've seen the development of guys like Sabonis and in the the coach that they hired was is was pretty intro it was a pretty integral part of the, you know, the team building process in Toronto. So I'm glad you brought that up. And also just the Yeah, Mr. Napier. You know, Brogdon was yeah. a guy from the Bucks. You know, we people knew he was a good player, but when Indiana paid him, they're like, man, they 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 spent up to get Brogdon. Mm-hmm. But he's really shown that he's been worth the money and some. They've made a lot of cunning moves. I mean, they got T.J. Warren for cash, and look how good he's been for them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and a twenty-point point score for yep. cash. Right. Yeah, it, it's a, it's remarkable to just the, the different ways that, like you just mentioned, the Indiana Pacers. You know, they bring in a coach that's not a a, a big name. You know, Nate Bjorkren. I can't think of a more Indiana Pacer sounding head coach name than Nate Bjorkren. Like he right. just sounds like he would coach at Indiana with that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mark Diagonal with the Oklahoma City Thunder. These aren't like sexy names, but they're savvy, smart names. These are guys that have proven themselves at the developmental level and look to try to be like team builders, what we're seeing now. And Chris, I mentioned that you brought up this topic and I felt like it was a bit prophetic because we came up with this idea about a week and a half ago. And obviously we were just talking about the Indiana Pacers side of this trade, but that 14 deal that sent James Harden from the Houston Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets, the team that he wanted to go to almost essentially from the beginning of the season. Right. Chris, how did how does the way that these four teams got involved in this trade kind of affect the way that you view team building? You know, was this something that you that you particularly like the way it was done on the both on the organizational aspect of it, but also from the players' hand because they have a large say in where they go in the league now. No, I I really do like this trade. Like it's it's interesting we, we mentioned the Pacers, but you know this is also an example of the Cavs knowing themselves. They're not going to really bring mm-hmm. in big time free agents. So you know what? Let's get uh let's let's bring in a Jared Allen. Let's get a, a young big who he's <laughs> as crazy as it sounds. He's still he's only twenty two. Jared Allen. He's right. still been in the league forever, mm-hmm. but he's only twenty two. So you bring in Jared mm-hmm. Allen, someone who possibly you're you don't mind paying for at the end of the season uh, compared to you know letting Drummond go because you know he's going to demand a lot on the market. So someone that can be that young, big, a young, you know, piece of the franchise. And, uh, of course, you know, for Brooklyn, you get Harden. You know they're in win-now mode already with, uh, with the older KD. And uh, Kyrie's mm-hmm. not a spring chicken anymore either. So, you know, you bring in Harden. You have three all-star guys. So it makes sense all the way around with all the pieces who were involved in this trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. yeah, I'll, I don't hardly agree. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, okay, I don't. Think Brooklyn, I don't. My bad. I'll go. I just don't no, think the please. Brooklyn Nets signed up for all the headaches that they're getting with Kyrie Irving 
if you know if they're not planning on winning a championship right now. So that's a good, you know, yeah, good, yeah. good point for sure. Go ahead. I don't Steven. know. I I don't I don't know if Kyrie and James Harden didn't didn't know what they were doing before this trade because with with Kyrie Irving missing time, it seems like he affected his trade value in that deal. And then James Harden, I I was I joke I made a joke to um you know to our buddy Artest who is, is pretty active on Twitter and things like that. I, I made a comment to him to where I said I think James Harden is wearing a bodysuit, and I was kind of jokingly saying that. But if you watch him in that next game, he looked to be in way better shape in such a short amount of time. So I'm curious those, to see those if he warm actually- those warm ups are a little misleading. I feel like he always looked good in those warm ups. <laughs> It was just water weight. He just had you know, there. You go. You know, shed the water. He's good now. He lost ten pounds. He's ready to be James Harden. I mean, Fat Harden has been dropping forty for a couple of years, so I don't think he's too worried about it. <laughs> I don't think he's been this big, but yeah, I digress. No, but you know what I mean. <laughs> he's, been <laughs> he's been a big boy. Oh yeah, barrel chested. I definitely agree with that. But I think that the way he came in this season was a little, little bit more than what we're used to seeing, but. Again, I think he was wearing a bodysuit because if you watch him the other night when he came in and had a tremendous opening game for the Nets, even without a Kyrie Irving, you know, it, it was remarkable. But Chris, back back on the Nets as a team, you now have a team with Kevin Durant, who former MVP. You have James Harden, former MVP. You have Kyrie Irving, former NBA champion. Two of those three guys have, have been on big threes before. Now, granted, it was on different scales. You know, Kyrie Irving wasn't the third wheel. You know, James Harden has been the third wheel, but that seems like a lifetime ago where he came off the bench for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, and you know, Kevin Durant was finals MVP a couple times. How do you think, the, in particular, Steve Young needs to look – or Steve Nash, excuse me, not Steve Young. Well, I can't believe I did that. How do you think Steve Nash needs to look at this team – and utilize these big three in their roles in order for them to win an NBA championship. You know, it's the what we've seen with these guys. We've seen them both. You know, I think we saw we heard a joke from um, Chuck talking about you know the, the dribble brothers. You know, Katie mm-hmm. going from the Splash Brothers to the dribble brothers. And we 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 know what they can do with the ball in their hands. But I think it can work. It can work. We we've heard hard, and he doesn't want to always have the ball in his hands. He he doesn't mind playing off ball. We know mm-hmm. Kevin Durant is the ultimate off ball player. He, he can spot up, knock down, you know, easy shots. And Kyrie Irving, you know, he has a lot of Kobe in his game. He looked up to Kobe. That was his guy. He has a lot of just you know score first tendencies. So Harden is a great playmaker. He's someone now we can maybe make the role for Kyrie, just worry about getting buckets. Like, you don't even have to try to run the offense, be a point guard, just be that undersized scoring guard and let Harden do more of the the, the heavy lifting when it comes to organizing the offense. And um, I, I think it can work. It's going to be tough. It's going to be yeah. difficult because, you know, these guys, they haven't, they haven't played with each other. They haven't had to just be off-ball threats. They've been so used to having the ball in their hands. But I think when you have top-tier talents and guys with the basketball IQ and intellect that they have, they will figure out a way. It's, it's tough for three great basketball minds not to come together and work. Yeah, for yeah sure. Austin, how do you feel about the pairing of these big three? Well, I, I feel like the more I think about it, there's almost if they're all getting along and playing well, there's almost no way you can guard this team. Like, you've got 
James Harden, who we all, all know what he can do offensively. You got Kevin Durant, who's a seven-footer that can just shoot over the defense at, and at a ridiculous rate any chance he wants. And then Kyrie Irving has one of the best handles I've ever seen and can break just about anybody down on the dribble. All three of them can get their own bucket at any time against any kind of defense. And at the same time, all three of them don't necessarily have to just do one thing to get their points. Like we've seen James Harden just do one thing for a long time, but if that was that big of a deal to him and he was so, you know, hell bent on playing that way, he wouldn't have pushed for this trade to go to this team specifically. You know, he, he would have stayed where he could just have the ball in his hands all the time. And I think it got old for everybody in Houston. So, I mean, like Chris said, talent kind of trumps a lot of things most of the time in the NBA, but obviously, you know, chemistry is a big part of it too. I think those guys are the real, you know, test is going to be when something doesn't go their way, how everybody reacts, mm -hmm. but it's not crazy to think that James Harden can, can spot up once in a while or, you know, catch it on the wing and take a jump shot. He's a, he's a really good shooter, you know, and I think Steve Nash's biggest job is going to be keeping all the other guys happy with not getting many shots. Honestly, I have to tell all those other guys, figure out, figure out a way to make contributions without having the ball in your hands very much. Cause those three are going to take a lot of shots. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see exactly how much time they all share together as a big three on the floor. You almost wonder if they're going to stagger their minutes in such a way to where you're always going to have two of these guys on the court at all times, you know, and then you got other capable scorer on this team and Joe Harris who can spot up, who is developed as better as a ball handler and things like that. They still have, you know, Deandre Jordan, who his minutes may up a little bit without Jared Allen on the floor, but they also have Claxton on the bench. So, and I also found it interesting too, Chris, to where people were saying that they have no bench now, but the, but the night of the big trade that they had where they faced the Knicks, they're presumably their bench guys that are going to be coming off the bench combined for like 81 points. What do you make of that? Hey, they had the deepest I mean, bench I've ever seen. You know, I got he was just talking about how I was, uh, how I covered these different players. I mean, I saw Reggie Perry, you know, these last couple years mm -hmm. at Mississippi State, and he's he's a rookie. He's just trying to he just had to be on the floor, so he's going to do all the dirty work, try to get all the boards, uh, set all the screens for easy pick and roll dunks. So he's a piece, and he has the NBA body already. So mm -hmm. he's one of those guys that slide in from, you know, playing off the bench. That's going to have an immediate impact. And we saw that the other night, you know, that same game, he had double-digit scoring. So uh, 11 I, points and five boards, yeah. Yeah, so I think there's, you know, there's guys that are going to step up and really, you know, just have to show who they are, you know, make a name for themselves. There's, there's pieces on that bench that we might not, that might not have the cachet yet, but they will when the season's over. Mm -hmm. Plus two with those the three big names they have on the on their team with them, you know, there's probably not a whole lot of pressure on them. You know what I mean? How much easier does the game get when you've got three of the best players in the world on your side? You know, they can set you up and do a lot of things that a lot of other players can't do. It definitely Literally. has You're to make things easier. All over again. Like you just you just need to set the screen and roll through the rail. All right, yep. got you. <laughs> it's probably fun. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just so long as those guys are active in Austin, I think that you brought up a good point, making sure that, you know, Harris just isn't just parked in a corner all night long, you know, maybe run a couple sets for him. Because these guys are going to draw a lot of attention from a defense to where when these guys, if their looks are limited, they're going to be great looks for them to, to be, you know, have efficient, you know, comfortable looks for them throughout, throughout the course right. of the game.
Yeah, I'm yeah but Chris, you know, oh, go ahead. I just want to talk about, you know, we talked about, you know, Kyrie, Kyrie, KD, and uh, Harden all playing on the floor together. It does help that these guys are older now in their careers. So, mm-hmm. you know, those egos, they might be finally pushing that ego to the side in the name of winning. Because at the end of the day, that's all they're trying to do at this point in their careers. They, they've made a name for themselves. They have the accolades to all the NBA teams, the MVPs, all that. They just want to win now. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I don't feel like, you know, Kevin Durant strikes me as a guy who's too worried about whether or not everyone else thinks he's how good he is. I think he's pretty sure he, he knows where he stands in the hierarchy of players. And James you know Harden probably do. <laughs> that's what he said before. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. This whole entire trade is a kind of a perfect, you know, dichotomy for our show, our topic. It, it just in the differences in t- the team building just from this trade, you know, it's completely different styles but they're all trying to get to the same goal so it was pretty cool definitely yeah and i i found it very prophetic too chris again like i i I sent it to you when we were getting ready for the show i was like well i think that you saw into the future a little bit (laughs) when you picked that topic because again this is the only big three that we have in the nba right now and i a lot of people said that this is bad for the league and chris i want to get your opinion on this issue is that i thought that this was actually good for the league because coming into this season I thought I think everybody was was on the same mindset that the Lakers are looking to repeat this season. Now yeah. it looks like there's a team that's probably on their tier if everything is hitting correctly and, and in a good manner. I think the Lakers now have a formidable team to stand in the way of, of, of a repeat championship. Chris, what do you think? Definitely, I agree. I mean, you know, the it seems like the Nets they're taking the Kansas City Chiefs approach. You know, you can't beat us if you score us. So you know, there you go. You got three scores like that on one team. Um, you're, you're definitely gonna have a chance to win it all. So we'll we'll see how these styles play out because that's definitely it seems like what's going on. The Lakers they have length, so they'll be able to play defense, and then the Nets, you know, they have scoring. So it, it'll be fun if they do match up in the finals. Yeah, no doubt. Austin, what do you think about that that aspect of this actually being good for the NBA? Because your 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 Los Angeles Lakers are we're looking to repeat, and now the Nets could be in their way. Well, that's that's a different topic. I don't want to get too into that because you know I don't agree with that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I think I think it's great. Honestly, I think it's for from a fan's perspective, it, back in the eighties and the nineties, if you didn't have a com- competitive team, it took a while to change up the roster enough to really get competitive. And now it seems like every couple of years, all the big names are kind of moving all over the place, and it's never gonna never really feels like oh my gosh, we're gonna be bad for so long. We have no good future. It, it, player empowerment to me and they're the moving around one it's fun and exciting and two i feel like it gives teams a faster you know kind of that you jump know, time, yeah yeah yes. timeline to, to kind of change things so i think it's great i've never had a problem with super teams why wouldn't you like all along when I was a kid, I always used to hear about, oh, these selfish players, they take all this money and don't want to, you know, worry about their money over the team. And then they team up and it's like, well, they're cheating the system. They're going the easy way. Like, which is it? You know, yeah. what do you want from these guys? I think it's great. Yeah, I agree. And I wanted to take a moment during the show, too, just to review the past champions over the last 10 NBA seasons. Good. And, uh, it may sound like a little bit of, you know, just me reading, but I, I think this would be a good exercise just to see how different, you know, these teams are. So in 2020, the Lakers won it over the Heat, obviously. In 2019, the Raptors beat the injury-riddled Warriors. 
In 18, the Warriors beat the Cavs. In 17, the Warriors beat the Cavs. In 16, the Cavs beat the Warriors. 15, the Warriors beat the Cavs. In 14, the Spurs beat the Heat. In 13, the Heat beat the Spurs. In 12, the Heat beat the Thunder. In 11, the Mavericks beat the Heat. And then in 10, the Lakers beat the Celtics. So that's basically over the last 10 seasons. It doesn't sound like a long time when you just say 10 seasons, but when you look back to 10 years ago, you had the Lakers and the Celtics in the NBA Finals almost like hearkening back to like, you know, like the, the, the 60s and the 80s, right, where these guys were just running amok against, you know, lesser competition, to be honest with you, not in terms of talent, but number of teams, right? So, when, Chris, when, when I read off that list and I went all the way back 10 seasons, what are some of the differences that you see among these teams that were competing for championships at that time? You know, um, I think bigs were really kind of prioritized early on, like in the, you know, the 2000s and the, the early 2010s. You know, we, we saw when the, the Mavericks and the Heat played, there were still lineups where LeBron was playing the three and you had two bigs on the floor for the Heat, which was killing them. They couldn't spread that zone and now shoot, you know, really have the shooting they needed to uh, beat the Mavs with that zone they were playing them in. But basketball has evolved now, and a guy like LeBron James, now he's playing the one a lot of times. But, you know, over the past decade, we've seen him play a lot of the four when it came to, you know, crunch time lineups. He was playing the four, and you put three shooters around him and a big. So, you know, just the how lineups are executed now has, you know, kind of caught my attention. Absolutely, Austin. What do you? What do you? When you look at these teams, these past champions, what are some differences that you've seen in their approach and team building in order to win an NBA championship? Well, I think it it shows a perfect example of what we've been talking about and the fact that there's several different ways to get to the same you know finish line. Obviously, for uh, the better part of a decade, the Lakers just sat back and kind of relied on their their name the lakers their brand that eventually we're going to get these guys and and it's just going to work because we're the lakers and it for a long time it really mm-hmm. wasn't the case you know they they tried to kind of go through the draft and rebuild the way a lot of other fr- franchises have done and it proved to be a lot harder than i think they thought it would be because you know you can't miss on one of those first round draft picks and get back to that level of, of success and you know then they they use the brand name and the fact that they're in LA and they're a marquee franchise and hope they get LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And that's how they built their winner. And then the Raptors other than Kawhi, which they traded for him, but that, that was a pretty homegrown team. They, they, you know, developed a lot of the talent on that team in house and same with the warriors. Like nobody knew that Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were going to be the splash brothers. You know, when they got drafted, they thought they were going to be pretty good players, but Steph Curry almost washed out for having bad ankles. They were worried that he was not going to even, you know, play a full career because his ankles were so bad at one point. So, you know, they've showed that you can do it through the draft if if you're not, you know, the Lakers or the Celtics or maybe the Miami Heat. And and then the Spurs are just, you know, the Spurs, they've they just have kind of been that marquee franchise for a long time. And the Miami Heat are, are another team that was able to kind of just attract superstars. So it kind of goes both ways. And it's also interesting to see how many repeat finalists that there have been. And I just yeah. looked it up. Do you guys know how many teams have actually won an NBA title? Overall in, in, in the history of the like, league? Like each franchise. Like how many fran- different franchises have a, have a title? Do you guys know? I don't know. Oh, man. 
uh, I would guess probably eight. It's 19, but 10 of them only 19. have one. So a, okay. a, a little more than half the league has ever even won a title, and half of that half has only won once. <laughs> so it's kind, there's kind of half, always half. been a lot of you know repeat finalists. So the yeah. idea that player empowerment has ruined all this parody in the NBA is to me is kind of just not true, and that kind of shows it. So I, I mean, that, that was back, pretty interesting. That goes back to your point about you know people talking about super teams and stuff. There's always always been super teams i mean throughout the history of the league there's been super how teams. they would how is kareem and magic not a super team <laughs> and james worthy don't forget about mr worthy. Yeah, that's what i mean it's unreal yeah. right but you know whether it was done by the players or done you know made by the franchises you know that's the difference people just don't like mm-hmm. that it's the players making super teams now but you know the franchises were the ones oh well uh, you, you don't want to be in Milwaukee anymore kareem come on to the lakers we got you mm-hmm. It was the teams that were making it happen. Right. And then, too, even teams that haven't made the finals that are really small markets like Oklahoma City or, or like the Pacers, you know, they have a route to to try to turn things around. You know, they just stockpile all these draft picks. And I think, to be honest, the two most important things for most teams in the NBA for a rebuild are your scouting department and the trademarks because we've seen a lot of really big trades recently. And if you can hit on a couple diamonds in the rough in the draft, like it can completely change your team overnight. Definitely. Definitely. That's a fair point. And and we'll get into that a little bit more here in just a second. I just wanted to touch on some of the common factors that I've noticed among the teams over the past 10 seasons that have competed for championships. If you got LeBron James, that's a pretty surefire way to guarantee that you're going to at least make the NBA finals. I mean, just a little bit. I mean, you're looking at 2020, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, and 11. He was in all of those finals over the last 10 seasons, right? Eric Spolstra, he was there for a good bit of LeBron James's and even last season, you know, making the making the finals. Greg Popovich in 14 and 13. Uh, you know, if the Golden State Warriors with the way that Mark Jackson and and his in his regime built that team and then Steve Kerr kind of inherited it and took it over and you know some would some would argue that he made improvements but Mark Jackson had that team in the top five on offense and defense in the league for a couple seasons in a row so if you're on that team you're guaranteed to make the final and then if you got you know a transcendent player like um, Dirk Nowitzki or Kobe Bryant you're gonna make the finals every once in a while right so uh, those were basically the common factors that I noticed amongst those team teams excuse me but austin you mentioned you need to have drafts you know draft success and trade success and really we see in the nba now a lot to where if you can draft a couple of players like that's the key that's the starting point of developing a, a contending team you know i look at two different franchises and how this worked you you saw how the nets drafted players with with guys like um you know, Karis LeVert with, and, and bringing in guys um, who were a little bit unheralded like Harris or Dinwiddie from Detroit and, you know, players like that. If you can find D'Angelo these Russell. diamonds in a rough, excuse me? D'Angelo Russell. They brought in D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Trading for him when his value was low out of Los Angeles. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you can establish a good young core, that makes it desirable for stars to come in. But if you look at the way that other teams like Miami, if you look at the way other teams like Toronto, there there's a path to where if you can if you get undrafted success and if you can draft guys well and you can stockpile those assets, that makes the trade market a lot easier, right? Because 
there's teams that don't have a lot of other pieces built around them that want to go to a team like that because of their depth and because of their coaching too. Right, Chris? So yeah, like Austin said, you got to have draft success and you got to have free agency slash trade success. You got to have everything. You can't just be, I'm a team that wants to draft players and be, and be successful or, I want to only gonna build with the draft. It doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or I want to just sign free agents because even the Lakers. We look at this team now. I think there's only like one guy that was drafted by this team. One or two guys on this team that were drafted by the Lakers. But when they did have a lot of young pieces and assets, that made that Anthony Davis deal achievable, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's there's so many ways to go about doing this. I was, you know, just looking looking at kind of, you know, different teams and how they made it happen. We mentioned the Raptors. Like, basically, mm-hmm. you just have to have, like, a franchise centerpiece. Now, you know, mm-hmm. for the Raptors, those those two guys, for them, their core was DeRozan and Lowry. I look at their centerpiece being Lowry. You know, he's been a guy that's been there forever. Mm-hmm. He's been an all-star for them. So when it came time to be able to make a move, you know, acquire somebody else, they uh, to bring in a Kawhi Leonard who was all of a sudden available on the market, they threw DeRozan out there and paired DeRozan, uh, paired um, you know, Kawhi with Lowry, that franchise centerpiece. You have Nick Nurse, a uh, great coach, and you also you drafted well with Siakam, and your scouting department was was on point too because Van Vliet wasn't drafted. He was an unsigned, yep. you know, free agent. So you know, it's just crazy how you can the, all the pieces and all the ways you can go about you know making this happen because Toronto is really a special. You know, a special story. They're they're a combination of drafting well, but also pulling in that outside piece that mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times happens with like the, the bigger uh, teams. Right. Yeah, you're right. And the way that they added Serge Ibaka in a trade where he was he was in Orlando, right? And then we saw them execute a trade that that took him out of Orlando and uh, you know kind of build a foundation. Hey, what's going on, brother? Appreciate you tuning in. But you know, they had um. They had brought him in, and then they drafted well. You you mentioned guys like OG Ananobi on this team too. Yep. Chris Boucher coming out of the, mm-hmm. the development. I was say He's that. stepping up now with, with uh, you know Mark Gasol leaving, mm-hmm. and they traded for Mark Gasol too out of Memphis with they, they, a, a I, I move. Timeline actually written down. So uh, okay, let's let's yeah, hear. Nice. In 2015, um, you know the offseason of 15 going into the 15 16 season, their core players were Lowry, DeRose, and Valanciunas. Um, that same draft, the 2015 draft, they drafted uh, DeLon Wright and also drafted Norm Powell. So the next season, the 2016 draft, they draft Siakam, sign Van Vliet, trade for Ibaka. They draft Pirtle as well. So um, they draft Siakam Pirtle. The uh, 17 mm-hmm. draft, they draft OG and Anobi. 18, they hire Nick Nurse, trade away mm-hmm. DeRozan and Pirtle, bring in Kawhi, Danny Green. And you bring in Marcus Saul, and all of a sudden, you win a title that year. So it took them one, two, three. It took them three years. Their rebuild was mm-hmm. three years from what their core was in 2015, going into the 2015-16 season. And, and a key aspect of that trade that I think a lot of struggle with, you know, is it worth trading? Yeah, is it worth trading for a disgruntled Kawhi Leonard who made his intentions known? Like, I only want to play in Los Angeles. But Masai Ujiri, one of the be- best minds in the game of basketball right now, said, look, even if he does leave, let's take advantage of this opportunity to where we can get him 
we can bring uh you know our franchise's first ever NBA title to this to this country to this town and mm-hmm. if he walks it's still worth it because now we have we have a title in our trophy case all of our players have you know because once even even if the 15th player on your roster is a part of a title a, a title team he's going to get he's going to at least get another look on another mm-hmm. roster because now he has championship level experience so Chris, when when you consider the bold move that they made in bringing in a guy that was presumed that he might leave and he ultimately did leave, do you think you also have to be risky in in this game in order to be yes. successful and real? With it. Yes, certain franchises, you have to make those cunning moves. And this was a, a win-win either way. You bring in Kawhi. Okay, you know, everything worked out. Finally, that's what happened. Now, if it doesn't work out, all right, you know, we, we saw what our ceiling was with Kyle Lowry and DeRozan. It's the Eastern Conference Finals. We're not beating LeBron. So, all right, we'll just rebuild. Mm-hmm. We'll start over. We'll, we'll go, you know, build around our young core and see what we can make, you know, from that point on. It ended up working out, and you win the finals. So, either way, it was a win-win either way because they already reached their ceiling. Right. I don't know if we'll yeah, and, and it just anything like this. James again. went out west, too. I don't think we'll ever see a team even come close to repeating the the way that Toronto did this. Not only did they do it in three years, like you said, they traded for a guy that they basically knew was a rental. They broke up arguably the two most popular players in that franchise's history almost uh, to, to do it. They were, had a good enough development system in place to where they said, okay, even if we make this trade and and we don't win, the cupboard's not going to be bare. If he leaves, we were able to take an undrafted player in Van Vliet and turn him into a star. A guy like Norman Powell used to be kind of an afterthought and that dude can really play. And Mm -hmm. they didn't have a single lottery pick. And then on top of that, they fire the coach of the year. And it's like, okay, we're going to do all these ridiculous things and we're going to win a title because of it. And I really think that you made a good point. Kyle Lowry is to me is the reason that it worked in Toronto with Kawhi and it's not working so much in L in LA with the Clippers because Kyle Lowry is without a doubt that the leader of that team. And it what didn't have to be Kawhi. All he had to do was worry about playing. And I, I think it's showing now that, that he misses that kind of that leader presence on the, on the Clippers a little bit. Yeah, someone who can create shots for themselves and others. That's the big difference, I think. It's just wild if you really look down in the whole timeline to me what they actually did to get that title. Yeah, Yeah, and so, Chris, I want to get your opinion real quick on three teams that we had in mind that we wanted to discuss before we move on to our power rankings for for this current season. Um, The Brooklyn Nets, they're getting a lot of attention, rightfully so. When you trade for a superstar and you got a big three, now you're going to catch a lot of attention. But the Atlanta Hawks, the New York Knicks, and the Oklahoma City Thunder, these are three teams that I think um, the, the more diehard fans of the NBA are kind of understanding what they're trying to attain. You know, the Hawks inherited some of the brain trust from the Golden State Warriors when they started bringing in Trey Young. They drafted, you know, Hunter Reddish, and they're bringing in free agents now. Um, the New York Knicks, they are finally taking a, a team-building approach to – you know, to, to attain success. And then the Oklahoma City Thunder, they're just wanting every draft pick in the world, you know, from here until the end of time, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I got to have so a whole lottery in one season. 
Yeah, man, the the Thunder boy, they they got some picks. They got too many picks, honestly. Mm-hmm. They, they, I don't think they're. It, they might end up making a move eventually. You know, three four years down the line from now, with all those picks, you never know. Right. A couple but, of years, uh, Brooklyn's going to need some draft picks eventually. <laughs> exactly. Yep. All right, bring, bring, give us KD back. Mm-hmm. There you go. Let him get yeah, his all career. Is one disgruntled superstar saying, I don't want to be here anymore. And then you have a team like Oklahoma City who has all these picks, or a team like the Atlanta Hawks who they may not have as many picks, but they have a lot of good young talent on that team mm-hmm. to where they may move in. And one team that I can't help but think – would be perfect for a Bradley Bill trade is the Atlanta Hawks. You know, you couple, you, you couple a, a guy like, um, you know, um, John Collins, who is kind of ruffling a little bit of feathers down in ATL. You got guys like Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, you know, Hunter, you know, all these guys that you could package together. Oh, and they have a lot of, you know, salary cap available. You know, if they move a couple of these guys as well. Mm-hmm. So if you compare the Atlanta Hawks and Oklahoma City Thunder timeline, is there a um, one of these teams that you believe is on a, a more appropriate path to contention? Oh, it's it's the Hawks. Looking at some of the teams that we've mentioned, um, it's, it's definitely the Hawks. I have a timeline written down for them. So, of course, something I noticed, and I, I'm going to compare it to kind of like how the Warriors and the, the Thunder went about things. So they did things organically. They drafted their superstar. For the for the Sonics slash Thunder, it was Kevin yes. Durant, and from that point on, it was uh, it took four years, four off seasons to build a team that made it to the finals. Uh, for the Warriors, they drafted Steph Curry, and from that point on, it took five off seasons to build a team organically through the draft and some cunning free agent signings like you know Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, Leandro Barbosa, moves like that before they built a team that made it to the finals. The Hawks, they drafted Trey Young in 2018, and we've gone through, uh, you know, two two different off seasons. I think they, in about two more years, two to three more years, they should be serious contenders in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Like, legit, have a chance to win the East, go to the finals, and maybe win the finals if they continue on the path that they have been on when it comes to building this team around Trey Young. Because he is their guy. He is the franchise mm-hmm. centerpiece. And that's the key to all of this. To all the teams that became, you know, uh, finals contenders, you have to have that centerpiece. Whether it's, you know, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, um, maybe it's Dwayne Wade for the Heat who helped. But there's no LeBron James and Chris Bosh coming to Miami if there's no Dwayne Wade. So you yep. have to have that franchise centerpiece. And I think that's what Trey Young is for the Hawks. That's a that's a very fair point. And I think that Austin and I, we've talked about Atlanta and and the path and timeline that they're on. We agree with you. We think that it's going to be soon whenever they, um, you know, make a make a serious run at a title. But, Chris, we wanted to get your opinion. Austin and I, we just started this last week. We're going to do our big three in each conference for our power rankings and just kind of get your opinion to see if you agree with this or maybe how you would reshuffle the the deck if you don't. So in the Eastern Conference, we have the Milwaukee Bucks as the number one team. We have the Philadelphia 76ers as the number two team and the Boston Celtics as, as the third team. And the reason why Boston, even though that they have the better winning percentage right now, mm-hmm. is because they haven't played as many games, right? And playing right. games, you know, weighs a little bit more on, on us than it does maybe some other people. So do you agree with that big three or would you kind of reach up the deck a little bit? 
Well, you know, this is just based off what we've seen from teams, of course, not necessarily projecting forward with Brooklyn, you know, mm-hmm. since they just made that deal. But uh, off what we've seen, I would I would agree. I would agree. I would probably put Boston second and maybe Philadelphia third for me okay. personally. But um, I do like those three teams that you have uh, listed. Yeah, excellent. And again, you know, Boston, Boston hasn't played as many games. I'm kind of partial to Boston. I love the way that that team's constructed. Uh, Austin has to hear me talk about Boston all the time. You know, hey, I don't and- mind Boston. I just I like I like big men that are really good, like Joel Embiid. I, I just have always have been drawn to, to talented centers, so I have a little bit of a soft spot for the 76ers. That's all. You know, They're a dying breed. Sixers too is just the reason I would probably put you know Boston above them is because you know their second best player you know Ben Simmons, who I love, he's yes. not that guy who can you know who's a scoring threat in the pick and roll mm-hmm. in crunch time, and that matters. You know Philly's success, honestly, to me is really dependent on Tyrese Maxey. I was just going to ask what you thought about Tyrese. Max looks like big, he's been that guy. Issue. He's been he's been scoring, getting buckets for them. He's been a you know, a good secondary playmaker out of the pick and roll. His development this season is really going to depend, you know, take the Sixers you know, however far they go in the postseason is Max. Chris, you said pick and roll, right? Yes. I didn't think uh, they were allowed to do that in Philadelphia. I heard for years that they, there was no way they could they could get two stars that can't shoot to play together. But I always thought that would work. I don't know. Well, if you can't shoot, just keep the ball in his hand and put shooters around him, right, and have him Joe and Joel Embiid play right. off. It, it, or, you know, like I was just going to say, just give the ball to your giant center that averages almost 30 points a game and see what he can do. Yeah, who's having the MVP season right now. You know, that would oh, for sure. and you know what else is crazy coming out of Philadelphia? There's no, like, does Joel Embiid care discussions going on in, 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 in the right. NBA circles right now. Like, his whole, like, being laziness and, you know, being passive and stuff like that. I never really bought into that, Chris. I don't know how you accident, accidentally or lackadaisically stumble onto 30 and 12. I don't know how you just accidentally do that. And, you know, those, there were those same Nothing questions happens. about Shaq. Yeah. You know, people saying the same things about Shaq early on in his career. But, you know, I think a lot of that noise kind of goes away when you hire Doc Rivers. Because they're going, yes. you know, there's there's no way this guy's being lazy and Doc is letting that slide. So yeah, I, his his voice is hoarse for a reason. He stays yelling. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Right, and you know all the stories that came out about how much of a player coach Brett Brown was, and how a lot of guys kind of saw him as a pushover. You know, you're never going to hear that about Doc Rivers. That's a really good point. And I think sometimes with big guys that are just freaks of nature like the two guys you mentioned are just they're so athletic for their size it sometimes it just looks easy and it doesn't mean that they're not playing hard like you can't ever convince me that a guy that gets 30 and 12 in the nba isn't really trying all that hard and it's not a it's not like a cardinal sin to have interests outside of basketball right yeah no definitely there's definitely that aspect too. All right, Chris, we'll hop into the Western Conference now. Our big three. Our big three are the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Jazz. And you know, if you rewind back to our last episode, we had the Phoenix Suns in here. They've kind of fallen out of that big three. I don't know if you would still keep them in there over Utah. I could see that kind of being a, a thought process based off of you know the talent level on that roster. But if you look at the quality wins the Utah Jazz have, I, I, it was really hard for us to believe them off. Mm-hmm. No, based off you know what's going on, what they've done, I would agree. Now, moving forward in the postseason, 
is a different thing. I would mm-hmm. put Phoenix ahead of Utah because I kind of feel like Utah, Utah is kind of that regular season team, but they do have a healthy Bogdanovich. Yes. That will be key mm-hmm. in the playoffs. You know, they took the Nuggets to seven without Bogdanovich. That's 20 points per game they were missing. So who's to say they don't have him, they don't win that series. Mm-hmm. But I just – I still would – kind of lean towards putting uh, Phoenix above Utah for postseason purposes. But I agree right now based on what we've seen from these teams. Yeah, I definitely agree too. I just feel like a power ranking is kind of more in the moment than an overall standings and with the Jazz winning four in a row. But I also do agree that I think long-term in a seven-game series, I think the Suns are more dangerous. I just think they have more weapons. But they, they don't have Rudy Gobert, so I could be wrong. Well, yeah, and also the Jazz do have Rudy Gobert, Chris, who yeah. Austin would argue is probably the best player in the NBA of all time. Well, well he's top <laughs> five at least. If you look at how important rebounding really is in the NBA, you know, there, there's a case that Austin could give you right now, Chris, that rebounding is better than scoring. Well, not better, but it's Rudy's way under, it's extremely undervalued, and scoring is a little overvalued. Rudy, yeah. Rudy is underpaid. Oh, well, I don't know. He's he's probably worth as much as Giannis, being honest. It's ridiculous. I mean, he gets many boards as Giannis, so why not pay him as much? There you go. Because he can't dribble. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be mean. He can't dribble. But, uh, Chris, ultimately, we got the Clippers. I can dribble, and I don't make $208 million. So, it's not me that important. I don't think you can. You don't know. You don't know. I got handles, man. Okay. 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 I'm not trying to get you all up here on the show, brother. But uh, Chris, we'll get back to this big three real quick. We got the Lakers number one. I don't think that there's any surprise there. It looks like they're already hitting that midseason form already early on in the season. And it's been impressive how much LeBron and AD actually care about the early part of the season. LeBron is feeling himself. I mean, my boy's out here. Look, he, he got the ball in the corner. Not only did he shoot the three, Ooh, but he pump fake. Like mm-hmm. he made the shot harder on himself. He pumped yep. fake, then shot it, turned around, flexed. Like he, yeah, Bron's feeling good. He's feeling yeah. Good. He's if the season ends today, he's MVP. Like, there's no doubt about it. Did you see that that meme that LeBron did this last night, and the next day the NBA created a new super team? (laughs) James Harden trade. Yep. And everybody's running to the East now that LeBron James is in the West. That's funny that the narrative had always been, you know, wait if LeBron James was in the tough Western Conference, you know, he wouldn't be as successful. Now everybody's running out East, so it's funny to see that, right, Chris? Hey man, that's that's what happens, bro. When you bring when you bring King James to, to one conference, you got to flock to the other conference. You know, yeah, because right. you know he's going to be in the finals, you know, on a yearly <laughs> basis. So, but according to all these old stars, everybody eats on LeBron James' watch, though, right? I don't understand where that ever came from. He's been in the finals almost every year. Well, if you look in the '90s, a uh, fewer, smaller amount of teams won NBA titles during their time than they do now. So, I think okay. that's the argument, but. I get that, but I just, just, whatever. Yeah, there we go. All right. And we have a lovely comment. I'm sorry, Chris. I'm going to have to cover your face here, but we, but we just got a comment that says, guys, I tune into quite a few sports podcasts and you guys are by far the most polished I've seen. You guys bring knowledge and you can tell you guys have great chemistry and watching you guys is very refreshing. I'm definitely going to keep tuning in and sharing. If you guys ever want a historical perspective, just let me know. I played against Dr. J and wrote about it. I've also played against Nate Archibald as well. I have personal stories playing against Pat, or excuse me, Pat Ewing, as well as 
and it kind of cuts off there. But I just want to thank you so much. Uh, Michael, it looks like is your name. I'm sorry if I can't pronounce the rest of it. But Michael, thank you so much. We love comments like that. It, it truly touches my heart, pulls at my heartstrings, and it means the world. And that's exactly why we do what we do right off. Yeah, man, that was awesome. I, we appreciate that so much. Yep. You know, it's like we always talk about how, you know, appreciative we are of everybody, but we do mean it like I've, I never expected to get something like that. And I think if, if you want my opinion, I would say he'd be welcome to come on. I want to hear about those stories personally. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to hear that. So that's pretty interesting. So definitely thank you for listening, too. man. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, is the fact that we had Chris on the show, make it a slick good because Chris, we've oh, never yeah. got a comment like that until you've been on the show, man. Uh, uh, so um, say, I'm not very polished. So, I don't know. <laughs> so Chris, before we let you go, this is about the time of the show where we like to give our honored guests the time, just to kind of promote themselves and where the people can find you on social media. So could you please indulge us in that? I got you. So of course, you know, you guys, y'all can follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Bolton underscore 12. So um, that's where all my tweets are and everything. We're talking NBA. I'll even throw in some NFL playoff tweets because, you know, it's, 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 it's the playoff time. So we're, we're tweeting about everything. But um, you guys can follow me on there on Twitter and on Instagram at Chris.Bolton underscore. And uh, you can check out my podcast, uh, Check Up with Chris Bolton. It's on Apple Podcasts, uh, also Spotify, all the major platforms. So um, there you have it. All right. Well, and we just want to thank you, Chris, again, so much for your time. Love the fact that you're on our team over at Off the Ball Network, where you can go to offtheballnetwork.com to get all of your sports needs. But we're going to, Austin, just again, thank you for everything you do, man. We're going to close here. It's been fun. Chris, you're who I want to be when I grow up, man. So, there you go. Thank you for coming on. And for anybody who can't see right now, if you're listening on the show, Chris is a good looking brother, man. I wish that I looked as good and sound as good as he does here on the show, man. He's he's got it all going on. I'm glad he's on our team. And uh we just That's how you feel. Beard, what am I gonna do? Without the beard, I'm nothing. Oh man, I, I can't grow that at all. Beards beards do help, man. Holy cow. <laughs> yes, they're, they're the yoga pants for men. But all right, guys, we're going to get out of here. We just want to thank you guys so much for tuning in here at the Nothing But Net channel. Uh, you know, excuse me, the Nothing But Net channel. Thank you so much for tuning in to our Breaking the Game show. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.